the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, it is, and a good Friday to you. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at eight minutes, or excuse me, at seven minutes past the hour of nine o'clock on the eighth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up on the program this morning, in about a half an hour, we're going to talk about Ohio elections. We're going to talk about Ohio elections and Ohio redistricting. Of course, that has to happen before the next round of elections. Secretary of State Frank LaRose will be joining us at 9.35 to talk about that. We'll talk about election integrity. We'll talk about bills uh, affecting that in the Ohio legislature, all of that at uh, 935. Then at uh, 1035, we'll talk to Christina Hagan as we do each and every week for her commentary on and reaction to the biggest news of the day. And there is plenty of it, including and especially the targeting of American parents using the Patriot Act and how the Biden administration is getting away with being the most authoritative authoritarian, rather, authoritarian, tyrannical presidential administration since, well, the last administration he was part of as the vice president of Barack Obama. How is he getting away with things that if Donald Trump even thought of, much less enacted, ever even whispered to somebody, he would be called Hitler, he would be called Stalin, he would be called Mao, he would be called just about everything that I'm going to call Joe Biden. It is incomprehensible that Joe Biden would turn the American Justice Department on the American people because of teachers' unions complaining, because of um, critical race theory and because of financial incentives for his family. It is incomprehensible that he would completely ignore the the erasure of our southern border and the extraordinary hundreds of thousands of people per month pouring across our border without once visiting it. 
It is extraordinary. It is impossible that he would allow 115,000 or so Afghan, non-vetted Afghans to come across on those airlifts while hundreds of Americans are left stranded in Afghanistan. What is being done to this country right now is literally impossible to square. And the only thing you can do is wonder, as I said, how it would be reported on. All of these adventures, how these would be reported on if President Donald Trump were the one was the one calling these shots. So we're going to get into all of that with you at 216-901-0945. Plenty of time for you to react today. 888 Either one of those numbers gets you here. Before we get into the details, what do you say we uh, say our Pledge of Allegiance? Let's start our program the way we do each and every day. Patriots, if you have the opportunity to face a flag, please do so. Stand and face your flag. Put your hand over your heart. Leftists, Biden voters, Jen Psaki supporters, uh, Patriot Act, domestic terrorist seeking, seekers. Uh, yeah, you guys can go ahead and sit this one out. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, liberty and justice for all. You know, I think I read that somewhere before, actually, uh, that that matters in this country, not apparently to those who would completely shred our Constitution and individual rights of American citizens. Rights of American citizens to petition the government for redress of their grievances. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere, too. Where was that? Oh, that's right. In the Bill of Rights, in the amendments to the Constitution, In the First Amendment to the Constitution, the right of the people to petition the government for the redress of grievances. Yesterday, the uh, the, uh, uh, press secretary for President Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, who is a dead ringer for Peppermint Patty, if you are a Peanuts fan from years gone by, Go look up Peppermint Patty and put her side by side with Jen Psaki. You're going to find uh, an amazing thing there. But at any rate, it's not about her appearance. It's about what she says that is the most important. Yesterday, she was asked about the Biden administration targeting concerned parents who object to critical race theory being taught in classrooms, who who uh, uh, object to and who are going to school boards to try to stop um gender theory and non-scientific gender theory and the rainbow uh, mafia from taking over the schools. Why do we call it the rainbow mafia? Well, the LGBT community has uh, has essentially chosen the rainbow as their representative uh, or as their representation, their symbol, and are they're acting, quite frankly, just like the mafia. They're putting hits out on people who refuse to comply with their agenda, who refuse to use pronouns that they want to accept non-scientific standards, things like boys can be girls and girls can be boys. If you don't go fall in line, uh, you're done. They put a hit out on you. Your reputation, your job, you're canceled. That's it. So anyway, the Rainbow Mafia should not be uh, uh, writing curricula for schools. Critical race theorists should not be writing curricula for schools, and nor should anybody pushing pornographic, comprehensive sexual education. So parents who object to that um, are now being subjected to being treated like domestic terrorists. And this, of course, is at the behest of the National School Boards Association, which, of course, is working in union with the National Teachers Unions. 
Joe Biden has made it very, very clear he will do whatever his union masters want him to do, and this is another example of that. So Jen Psaki was asked about this. Is Joe Biden actually going to use the Patriot Act to send the FBI, and Merrick Garland has already indicated this, to investigate American citizens who complain at school board meetings about these things, investigate them as domestic terrorists, investigate them over, quote-unquote, threats against schools. One of the concerns that was raised was the terminology in that National School Boards Association letter. They characterized threats as something which, quote, could be the equivalent of a, to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. And then they appealed to Biden to employ the Patriot Act in response. So Jen Psaki, yesterday at the press uh, uh, gathering, was asked that question by Peter Ducey, who's one of only two or three in that press pool who actually ask difficult questions, rather than, you know, how was the president's weekend? And uh, did he have any good ice cream this week? Uh, you know, they're actually he's actually doing the work. So I want you to listen. This is two minutes long. It is worth your time because it lets you know where the federal government under Joseph R. Biden stands as it pertains to your rights Guaranteed under the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. A week ago, the National School Boards Association wrote to the president to say that their teachers feel like some parents protesting recently could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. And then the attorney general put the FBI on the case. So does the administration agree that parents upset about their kids' curriculums could be considered domestic terrorists? Well, let me unravel this a little bit, because the National School Board Association is not a part of the U.S. government. I'd point you to them. What the Department of Justice said in a letter from the Attorney General is that, quote, threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. That is true. These were threats against public servants, threats against uh, members of the school board. Uh, Regardless of the reasoning, uh, threats and violence against public servants is illegal. That's what he was conveying from the Department of Justice. But the Department of Justice does now have the FBI on this. Uh, Something that the School Boards Association is asking for is uh, for the administration to consider using the Patriot Act to investigate some of these school board protesters. So would the administration be okay with the FBI using the Patriot Act to surveil these parents if that is what they decide? I don't speak on behalf of the National School Board Association. I speak on behalf of this government. The Attorney General has can put out a letter, they will take actions they take, and I would point to them for more information. And uh, something that you said on Monday... She refuses to answer the question. The que- She said, I don't speak on behalf of the school board's association. I speak on behalf of this government. Okay, he asked you about this government. Would the president support the use of the Patriot Act by the Department of Justice to surveil parents if that's what they choose to do? She said she speaks on behalf of this president and then refused to answer what this president would say to that a after some protesters were hounding person cinema into a restroom he said the president stands uh, for the fundamental right of people to protest to object and to criticize so does the president support the fundamental right of these parents to protest at school board meetings of course but he doesn't stand for the fundamental right i assume you don't either for people to take a violent action uh, against members of public servants and that's what the threats are about and so no he doesn't stand for that no one- somebody needs to tell this redheaded freak show that not that redheads are freaks she's a freak show she just happens to have shockingly red hair which jumps out at you somebody needs to tell this freak show that if somebody commits a violent act at a school board meeting or at a local mcdonald's that's a police matter 
If somebody goes into a Dunkin' Donuts and gets into an argument with a worker and commits a violent act against a worker, that's a police matter. That is not an FBI Patriot Act surveillance matter. And she won't say so. Why? Because the Biden administration doesn't believe that. The Biden administration believes that if parents are injecting themselves into their agenda, meaning the agenda of the Biden administration, which is the agenda of the National School Boards Association, which is the agenda of the National Teachers uh, or Educators Association, which is the agenda of the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, the big teachers' unions, which is the agenda of Black Lives Matter, which is the agenda of the 1619 Project, which is the agenda of Marxists in this country. They all share the same agenda. Divide and conquer. Divide children along racial lines, along sexual or gender identity lines. Divide them from their parents. Do not let the parents see what is being taught. Do not let the parents have a say what is being taught. It is the only way we can deconstruct this white supremacist, systemically racist, capitalist patriarchy. That's the only way we can do it to destroy the nuclear family, divide the children from one another, raise them to believe that capitalism is evil and that this system of government that this country has operated on for 250 years is systemically broken and oppressive to other people. Now, does this sound melodramatic? Does this sound over the top? Probably so. But I can assure you, not one word here is being exaggerated. Not one word. There is no other explanation for why the Department of Justice would get away with sicking the FBI on parents for harsh words at a school board meeting. And quite literally, this is all they have. In their response to the National School Boards Association letter, which consisted of a bunch of words. Literally, the letter just talked about people who yelled things at school board members in these passionate discussions over curricula. They called them threats. They called them intimidation. They called them harassment, which is just insane, considering the fact that nobody called the FBI to investigate Maxine Waters, for example, when she literally called for the intimidation and the harassment and the threats of conservatives in the public square. When, three years ago in 2018, she literally said, when you see people from this administration, from this party, out in public, you create a crowd. You surround them. You push up on them. And you tell them they're not welcome here. That's literally a call for intimidation and harassment and threats of violence. No one called for the FBI to investigate and surveil Maxine Waters. Nobody called for the FBI to investigate and surveil those who literally intimidated and harassed and threatened with violence and carried out violence in the summer of racial reckoning last year, in the summer of George Floyd. We had people being harassed for the color of their skin. We had people being attacked for the color of their skin. We had intimidation in cities all across, and police departments were basically left to stand there and not do anything. If they took aggressive actions in response, they would be perpetuating the violence, the story went. But the feds never got involved. 
But suddenly, a mother stands before a podium and speaks into a microphone and tells school board members they will not teach pornography to her children. They will not teach gender theory to her children. They will not teach racial division and hatred of the United States to her children. And she's being investigated by the FBI under the Patriot Act. We are on the cusp of losing our country. That is also not exaggerated. I do not use hyperbolic words. I do not, I am not prone to overdramatization. I'm telling you, the federal government of the United States, with responses like the one you just got from Jen Psaki, in which she said, she refused essentially to say, that they will not use the Patriot Act and the FBI weaponized against people doing protests. Let me ask you, who do you think feels more intimidated? A board member being yelled at over CRT or Kirsten Cinema hiding in a bathroom stall as she is stalked by left-wing illegal aliens demanding that she do more <clears throat> for their cause? Who got stalked there? Who was intimidated and harassed? Kirsten Cinema was. Did Jen Psaki or Joe Biden call for an FBI investigation into that stalker, that harasser? Not a word. There's an agenda here, and the agenda is to destroy capitalism, to destroy what this country is built upon. It's 923. I've got more right after this. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 926. We'll continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget, coming up after the bottom of the hour at 9.35, we're going to talk to Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. We're going to talk about a number of issues, including a couple of issues regarding elections in the state, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. We're going to talk about redistricting and the lines that are being drawn. Last month, um, the uh, redistricting panel uh, failed to reach a bipartisan consensus to pass the 10-year map of state legislative districts based on the 2020 uh, census totals. Uh, so essentially they approved it on party lines, which means the majority Republicans, uh, won and the Democrats had to, uh, had to, uh, suck it up and, and take it. Although not all Republicans were thrilled with the fact that it wasn't bipartisan. So we're going to talk to Frank LaRose about that, uh, and more coming up, uh, at 935. Charlie's in Westlake. Charlie, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Go right ahead. <clears throat> hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. You know what I've been th- thinking? Something came along in the eighties was when we, maybe even earlier with the teachers unions, but public employees should never be allowed to be in unions. It's morphed into this socialist thing because they know they can't be fired. They become docile. They're not for America. No. And then they negotiate against the taxpayer. Who's going to stop the money? It's a, you know, in a school situation, the principal used to be a union member and then they ask for more money and he goes, okay, it's ridiculous. It's uh, we have to ban public employee teachers unions and and because they're public employees. 
Well, you know what's worse about it than even the teachers' unions themselves, and I don't disagree with anything you just said, Charlie, and I thank you for the phone call, is the fact that, you know, nonprofit NGOs, non-governmental organizations like the National School Boards Association could have such sway over the government. If you think it's bad that the teachers' unions, and it is, have such sway, like I said, they're working in coordination with non-government entities, like the U.S. School Board or the National School Boards Association, they're a non-government uh, organization. They are they are um, a nonprofit organization, and yet they wrote a letter to Joe Biden that said, "Hey Joe, we are and we represent your base. Jump." And Joe Biden looked over at Merrick Garland, the the Attorney General of the United States, and said, "How high, sir?" And Merrick Garland said. I'll sick the FBI on, FBI on the parents. Will that be high enough? Done. That's what I have a problem with. Non-government organizations giving the marching orders and Joseph R. Biden and his attorney general marching, exactly as ordered. And the victims in all of this, you, me, other parents, and yes, our children, this is a battle. You know, I, I said before, I don't choose my words haphazardly. I'm not prone to hyperbole or melodramatic uh, statements, but I will tell you again. This is a battle for the soul of our children and, as such, for the soul of our country. Not an exaggeration. If we allow this stuff to go on in our schools, and for those who try to challenge it and actually have the parents have a major role in the education of their children... For that to be re- rejected and rebuked by the federal government, under the with uh, you know the authority of the of the Department of Justice and the FBI, we literally are talking about the future of this nation being in peril because these kids are the future of this nation. I'm not going to sing Whitney Houston for you here, but you better believe they are the future of this country. And right now, what they are being taught and the way they are being taught is is very very deeply concerning. All right, I'll take more calls on that in a bit. But coming up after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk to the Secretary of State about elections in Ohio, Frank LaRose. He'll join us coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be the bob france authority keeping you politically coherent on am 1420 the answer you know whenever we play that uh, rejoiner we've got to make sure to hit the uh, that's one of my favorite ever sound bites from any president in the history of this country and there's been some doozies but uh joe biden's yeah that one the one that sounds like jim carrey and liar liar that's the one we got to throw on that little 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 uh pro tip there johnny see if you can add that to that uh to that that bump back uh 9:37 now we continue on AM 14:20 the answer let's talk about elections i had um i gave a speech and i've talked about this a couple of times i gave a speech about 3 weeks ago and somebody asked me to give a speech on the four major issues facing this country right now the top 4 out of 40 probably but they asked me to narrow it down to 4 and one of those top 4 was election integrity it is extraordinarily important that we have free and fair elections in this country particularly after the debacle that was the 2020 election cycle in the age of covid so i thought it would be very important right now as we get ready for the 
upcoming elections in the state of Ohio and all the way into the midterms in 2022 to talk about that here with the Secretary of State, the man in charge of Ohio's electoral process, Secretary Frank LaRose. Uh, Secretary LaRose, good to have you back on the airwaves. How are you this morning? I'm good. Happy Friday, Bob. Happy Friday to you as well. A lot of ground to cover here, and I want to start. I want to. We'll come to the local level or the state level in a moment, but I just want to ask because you did have some comments or you've made some comments on uh, uh, HR one, which the Democrats made the centerpiece. You know, you could talk about their spending bills, you can talk about their Green New Deal things like that, but federally, the Democrats made the centerpiece of their platform um, uh, election uh, election reform. They essentially want a federal takeover of the election process. They don't want you you and 49 other yous to have a, a you know to make the decisions on how the elections are run in the states they want a federal takeover that's what the for the people act essentially would do can you tell me how dangerous that would be and can you tell me what plans you would have uh if you needed to combat that secretary larose bob it would be an unmitigated disaster i mean here's the thing people should understand about this this the pelosi plan to Californiafy everybody's elections. And they're the example in California of how not to run elections. This bill and the others that have come after, because I, I, I describe this as a, a zombie, because it's the bill that keeps coming back to life. So they, they, they tried with H.R. 1. Thankfully, we were able to kill that in the Senate. They brought it back as H.R. 4. And now there's a new one by Senator Klobuchar that they call the Freedom to Vote Bill. And by the way, this is the pattern. They, they give them these innocuous-sounding names like the you know, the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, but where they literally named it after a, a hero of the civil rights movement. Uh, people shouldn't be fooled. It's a cynical effort by far left extremists to take over our elections. We've been fighting it in Congress and in the Senate. But if we had to, we would fight it in the courts because it would be a disaster for Ohio. And the last thing we need is Washington telling Ohio how to run elections. We're the, we're the gold standard. We're the example that other states should follow here in the Buckeye State. Explain that. Go further on that. What makes us better and what makes us different? Obviously, there were you know four or five states that were central to you know the outcome of the presidential election in November, uh, and there were some very questionable things that happened there, whether you call them shenanigans or whether you call them outright voter fraud or manipulation. Uh, you know, it depends on who you are, but they had an impact. Ohio was not among them. Uh, uh, you know, we did not hear or see the number of questionable uh, situations uh, with respect to the Ohio election. So why do you call ours the gold standard? Well, it's a long list. It actually starts with the oversight of elections. In Ohio, it takes Republicans and Democrats to see every part of the election process. It continues where Ohio maintains accurate voter rules. Bob, I don't apologize to anyone for removing dead people from the voter rolls. The Democrats freak out and call that purging, and they have all kinds of you know, accusations they make about it. But we remove non, non-citizens from the voter rolls. We remove dead people from the voter rolls. We, we keep our voter rolls accurate. In Ohio, we require identification when you vote or when you cast an absentee ballot. In fact, when you cast an absentee ballot, you have to prove your identity first to request the ballot, and then you have to prove your identity a second time and it in. One of the other things that we do, Bob, is we don't settle these activist lawsuits that show up every fall when ACLU and other groups come suing. In other states, they cut a deal, and they, they maybe gave the ACLU 30% of what they asked for. The problem with that is it's like paying the hostage-taker's ransom. The hostage-taker will only take more hostage with hostages when you pay their ransom. We didn't settle with the ACLU. We fought them, and the Attorney General and I won all five of those lawsuits last year when they tried to sue us. It continues to the fact that we never connect our voting machines to the Internet. We have a 100 
paper trail. We audit every election. When we election five weeks after the election was over, we had a 99.98% accuracy rate when we compared that electronic record that we report on election night to that hard copy paper trail that exists for every vote that's cast. And so it goes on and on from there, but Ohio does it right, and Ohioans should be confident that they're on election night. We are talking with Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Um, let's go back to August, <clears throat> House Bill 294. You testified in favor of that bill, which, according to what I've read, uh, limits uh, to three drop boxes uh, located only at county boards of elections, no matter the population size, uh, shortening the window that could uh, they could be accessed to 10 days instead of three and eliminating the Monday before the election as an early voting day by moving those hours to the previous weekend. Now, you supported that, but at the same time, Katie Shanahan, with a national uh, uh, campaign fighting against gerrymandering and uh, pushing for fair maps and redistricting, said, this is nothing more than a voter suppression bill, because people who live in affluent neighborhoods won't have any trouble casting their ballots, but it'll make it more difficult for BIPOC, for whatever reason, black, indigenous, people of color, communities, uh, elderly voters, and people with disability, it'll make it harder for them to cast their ballots. What do you say to all that? You know, those Ohioans that she purports to protect should be insulted by the things that she... The, the fact that somebody would call a modest piece of legislation like the suppression it's just an example of the kind of mental contortions that the left is going through to try to keep their talking points alive. Uh, they'll, they'll say whatever it takes to try to convince people that Republicans are trying to suppress the vote. Bob, if my job is to suppress the vote in Ohio... I'm positively terrible at it because we've had record turnouts in 2016, 2018, and 2020. Of course, that's not what we want to do. We want to make sure that it's honest, and we want to make sure that every voice can be heard in a fair election. And that's exactly what this piece of legislation would do. It just makes some modernizations to the way that Ohio runs its process and really responds to the bipartisan concerns of our Ohio Association of Elections officials. Every one of the things that are being done in this bill are things that have been uh, you know, identified uh, as concerns that need to be addressed. And, um, you know, to call that voter suppression is quite a stretch. Now, here, here's the funny thing. Before the bill was introduced, they started having press conferences to call this bill voter suppression. So they hadn't even read it yet, and they were already calling it that. It's 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 a shame. Well, no, it is, and that it does mirror what is being said in a lot of other states, and federally, obviously, which is the reason they push for the H.R. 1 and the H.R. 4 that you point out, uh, because they think that anything that actually makes it difficult to cheat is voter suppression. Um the Associated Press uh, did an analysis and decided that, according to their studies, Ohio's districting maps are among the nation's most gerrymandered during a period when Republicans won more seats than they would have been expected to based on the percentage of votes they received. Now, you're quoted in this AP article is saying, uh, we have fallen short of coming up with the right map. Not enough members of this commission wanted to come along with that effort. Uh, it says you accused unnamed fellow Republicans on the panel of not working in good faith to reach a compromise that would satisfy both parties. Um, Governor DeWine also said he was, quote, very, very sorry with, with, with the way things landed with respect to um, this, uh, this bipartisan, or what is supposed to be a bipartisan redistricting panel. Um, give me a little bit more information on that. Um, the, you know, this this passed by a bi, uh, by a partisan vote rather than a bipartisan one. Are those districts going to be where they are, where they stand right now, or is there still still room for challenges to that? Well, the the maps are being challenged currently in the Ohio Supreme Court, and candidly, Bob, that's one of the things I was trying to avoid. I wanted to 
find that bipartisan compromise that the Ohio Constitution really calls for in order to hopefully avoid, you know, throwing this whole process into the judicial branch, which is something that I've sought to avoid from the beginning. But but here's a quick history lesson on this. Just, what, six years ago, Ohioans with over 70 percent voted to reform this process. And, and what they created in the Ohio Constitution is a process that puts Republicans and Democrats at the table together and then compels them to be grown-ups about this and try to reach a middle ground compromise. That was the spirit that I brought to this. And, and also, Bob, as conservatives, we believe in, in competition. I think competition makes us stronger um, on, the, uh, on the athletic field. It makes us stronger in the free market. It also does in politics. And I want to see more competitive state legislative districts created throughout this process so that candidates would have to get out there and compete to earn your vote. The fact is that in far too many cases, the election uh, is already determined based on the letter that comes after your name because you're in a district that's 65% Democratic or a district that's 65% Republican. So I wanted to see more competitive districts. I brought to the table that spirit of good faith compromise. And what was uh, what was really disappointing is that the two sides were closer than either of them realized that the, 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 the distance between the Republican position and the Democratic position when it came right down to it was not that far apart. But there came a point in time where I was basically the only one left at the bargaining table willing to, to, to try to, to reach that compromise. And so at that point, it's kind of like the serenity prayer, Bob. You, you got to have the, the, the wisdom to realize the things <laughs> you can't change. And when nobody else is willing to compromise, well, then it's time to, to, to wrap it up. And so then I voted for the Republican proposed map, of course, uh, when left with that binary choice. You know, uh, what's interesting about what you just said is it's similar to what um, uh, the Republican Senate president uh, had said. Matt Huffman said that the final map is actually closer to the Democrats' plan than was presented. He said the final map will have 62 of the 99 Ohio House seats favoring Republicans, 23 of the 33 Ohio Senate seats that favor, favor the GOP, and that that's down from earlier maps. So he said we've actually made it kind of what you just said, a little closer than the Democrats are willing to admit. Yeah, the, the challenge was, you know, the Democrats had proposed a map that would have given the Republicans 57 seats. And so that's when I when I mean that we were pretty close together when the Republicans had a 62-seat map and the Democrats had a 57-seat map. Just a few years ago, we would have been pretty happy with the idea of having 57 seats in the Ohio state legislature. So anyway, it's one of those things that uh, I felt like we could have, we could have reached a bipartisan compromise, but ultimately uh, it takes others to go along with that, and, and uh, there wasn't uh, simply weren't the numbers there on the commission to get it done. Okay, we're talking with Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And now the other thing uh, I want to ask about is this report from a week ago, and this is one of these ugly ones uh, as far as the allegations in it. The report from Breitbart News back on October 1st said that uh, the governor and the state auditor and yourself, so Mike DeWine and Keith Faber along with yourself, were working together and adopting a redistrict, redistrict, redistricting, I can say that, a map that would actually harm the Republicans and their chance to retake the majority at the Ohio, at the uh, U.S. House level, that it would be a beneficial and lopsided redistricting, redistricting map. I why cannot say that word so well today. That would actually help Nancy uh, Pelosi keep her majority there. Two senior Republican officials, quoting from the article, briefed on the proposal, uh, told Breitbart News that uh, DeWine, Faber, and LaRose were all considering uh, uh, drawing a number of pro-Trump Republicans into Democrat-leaning districts as a part of retaliation against former President Trump, who the establishment GOP leaders dislike. Now, I know that your office has issued a response to that, but I wanted to get one directly from you if I could unmitigated bs 
I mean, it's just completely uh, fictitious. And here's the here's the thing about this: it strains credulity. I mean, it, first of all, uh, I was a supporter of President Trump's. So I worked on his inaugural committee. Uh, you know, I uh, don't understand why this would make sense to anybody. Here's what happened, Bob. As conservatives, we all should should know better than anybody that we can't believe everything that's written in some, uh, you know, so-called news article. And uh, what happened here appears to me that somebody convinced some reporter to write something that was just completely false, and they were doing it for their own self-serving reasons. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I think most Ohioans know better. Uh, some people would suggest that, you know, while you are a supporter of President Trump's and has been, have been, as you just said, that Governor DeWine is less so, that there is a... Uh, not a, I mean, he wouldn't even uh, appear with President Trump when he came to the state uh, back in June, and he's uh, not been very supportive. So some might say that Governor DeWine might have some sort of an axe to grind here, but why would this reporter have dragged you and uh, the auditor, uh, Mr. Faber, into that as well? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll let the governor speak for himself. Um, I, I know that Auditor Faber was uh, one of President Trump's most ardent supporters in Ohio, so that one doesn't make sense either. Uh, I'll tell you that, again, when trying to get a story planted for their own self-serving reasons. Uh, I guess they don't care who the collateral damage is. My, my guess is that somebody was trying to uh, uh, somebody was trying to dust up the governor on this and just decided to wrap in all of the executive branch members of the redistricting commission. But again, it doesn't make any sense. And furthermore, uh, you know, those members of Congress that were mentioned in that article, uh, people like Representative Jim Jordan and Representative Warren Davidson are people that I have excellent relationships with. In fact, uh, they hosted an event for me last week in D.C. Last week, uh, it just wouldn't make any sense why we would want to draw districts uh, in a mean-spirited way to, to, to hurt those guys. Uh, it just, again, it strains credulity, and I think most Ohioans realize that. And the fact that it hasn't really gotten a lot of traction uh, is, uh, I think, proof that most people know that it's just a complete fiction. Well, that part of it I, struck me, too. I mean, I, I really don't understand how that helps Republicans. Or, you know, Mike DeWine, if he wants to be reelected and have another term as a governor, I, I don't understand how that helps to pit, for example, what the article claims that, you know, they would put, you guys, would put Mike Turner and Warren Davidson against each other, drawing them into a battle there that would remove one of them uh, from Congress. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. How does that help Republicans? How does that help Governor DeWine, even with his agenda in the state? No, it doesn't make sense. Now, you know, here's the, here's the bottom line. To, to reach that bipartisan compromise on drawing congressional districts will mean some, some tough choices and some trade-offs and that kind of thing. But that conversation is weeks away. I mean, you know, we haven't even gotten to the point of, of having the first commission meeting so that we can start those conversations. And so, uh, for anybody to, to, to think, uh, that, that uh, myself and, and other Republicans would be intentionally out there trying to harm Republicans. It's just foolishness. And again, somebody is trying to create trouble, probably for the governor, and uh, they've got a fake story planted. I mean, it's as old as uh, as politics for people to play those kind of the games. The only thing is, normally these kinds of fake stories I would see, you know, planted in the Huffington Post. <laughs> it's 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 different to see in Breitbart, though. That's what that's what strikes. I know a lot of people I talk to, and a lot of my listeners strike, you know, struck them as like, this is Breitbart. This is this is more conservative leaning news. It's not the Huffington Post. It's not any of those left wing organizations you would think that are out to try to sow division among Republicans. But to see this come from a Breitbart source is what makes people, you know, wonder 
slander, which is why I wanted to get you on the record and uh, and to come on yeah. and, and to to deny this and to. Uh, I saw your spokesperson uh, denied it. Uh, Dan Tierney, who's DeWine spokesperson, issued a strong denial of this as being any, any anything more than fake news. Haven't seen anything from uh, from Auditor Faber yet, but I did want to get you on the record and uh, let all of the constituents uh, in Ohio know that uh, that there is nothing to this directly from uh, from you. Perhaps it's primary season, Bob, and we should try to avoid uh, a, a, a breaking Reagan's 11th commandment, which is speak no ill of your fellow Republicans. Obviously, come primary season, there's going to be a debate within the family, but as soon as that's over, it's time to unite the party and focus on beating Democrats, which really needs to be what Republicans should spend their time on. I hope we can expand on that 11th commandment. Not only speak no ill of all of fellow Republicans, also draw no districts that harm fellow Republicans, particularly for spite. I would hope that's something that we can do, too. Uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, I appreciate you coming on and addressing all of this stuff. Keep up the great work with election integrity in our state, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you very much. All right, that's Frank Lauer, Secretary of State. We'll get a timeout now at 9.54. And get your phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 957. Excuse me, 957. Thanks for uh, being with us. Uh, we are guest free in the next half hour, so that's good news. So you'll have an opportunity to call on what we like to call free for all Friday when we make it so. And so we'll take your phone calls on any of the issues that we have been discussing or off the board as well. 216 901 Leading up to 1030 or 1035 when we talk to um, Christina Hagan, former Ohio House representative. And we'll talk to her about some of these issues, including the district districting issue. That That's that's a thorny one, by the way. The, the last one that I asked uh, the secretary of state about, it, it's thorny because, as I said, if if. Sources that are out to harm Republicans um, want to plant stories about Republicans getting together in back rooms to try to spite Donald Trump and draw districts. They're going to force Trump supporters out of office or force them to face one another so some of them are out of office. That That's normally the kind of thing that I would see planted in a, in a left-wing blog or a left-wing news source, not necessarily on the right side with Breitbart. But that's where this one was. That's what makes it thorny. It's a very bizarre claim. Uh, I tend to agree with the secretary when he said, if there was anything to the governor, Mike DeWine, the auditor, Keith Faber, and the secretary of state, Frank LaRose, all conspiring to draw a, a redistrict, redistricting map that would harm Trump Republicans, because they want to remove President Trump's influence from, you know, from, uh, from the government anymore. If there was any truth to that whatsoever, why would there be no Ohio reporters on it? To my knowledge, only one Ohio reporter has inquired about it. Um, but this is only an out-of-state Breitbart reporter. But what's Breitbart motiv- Breitbart's motivation? So I tend to, I tend to agree that there's, there's not a whole heck of a lot to this. There are two GOP sources quoted, not, not even quoted, Unnamed GOP sources who say they saw the map that these three were working on and that it would actually harm Republicans and conservative Trump Republicans. I don't buy it. I have no reason to buy it. I don't know why anybody else would buy it. But I also don't have any idea why Breitbart would run it. 
It is it is primary season. It is the time for planted stories and fake stories to try to harm others. But usually you try to harm the other side. Breitbart trying to harm Republicans by claiming Republicans are trying to harm Trump Republicans just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So if you want to react to that, we are guest-free the uh, next half hour. So dial now. We'll get you on the radio at 216-901-0945 on The Authority. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.